0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Hope Motivates Action Podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Recknell, and I am so looking forward to the story that my guest has for you today. Val Brooks is the founder of Autistic Interpretations, a social media community spanning a blog, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, all from her home in Chattanooga, Tennessee. A mother of three children, Valerie is the primary caregiver to her fully dependent autistic and blind 34-year-old daughter, Jessica. Together, they share a glimpse into their lives, rich with family, poodles, and Southern cooking. Their posts reflect the joys and struggles of life with an adult autistic family member and it's inspirational to watch. Having achieved her hard-won registered nursing designation and working in cardiac care, Valerie made the courageous decision to leave nursing to work from home and ensure Jessica would thrive. Through a steadfast commitment to sharing varied authentic posts, Valerie has built an online community of more than 100,000 subscribers. Val and Jess aim to share their version of normal to show that it is good. Valerie has an incredible heart combined with her mama's soul, and I cannot wait for you to hear more. As a reminder, if you're interested in any of the books, resources, and tools I mentioned in this episode, all the links you'll need can be found in the show notes of your favorite podcast player, or head to the blog and pod page of my website at www.expertinhope.com, and you'll find them all there too. I truly believe that the future will be better than today, by taking action over the things we can control. And conversations like this really reinforce that hope. Let's get going. Hello, welcome to the show, Val. It's so great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. I'm happy to be here. I'm very excited for this conversation. When you and I connected before the show, I just thought your story was incredible. I think you are one of the strongest humans I've ever met, and I'm excited for <laughs> uh, you to share your story with with the, with our audience. So I wonder, maybe let's just dive into it. Could you tell us your story of how you use hope to motivate action in your life? Sure.
1: So my story goes way back. I am now, oh geez, I'm going to have to think about it for a minute. I think I'm going on 53. <laughs> um, and so my story goes way back to when I was uh, but a youngster and my firstborn was diagnosed with a vision impairment which was the first of many diagnoses. I was just the one that kicked it off. And, you know, I think at that point is when you can consider the, the hope prompts action story begins for me because from that point forward, we had hope that Jessica would be able to, Jessica is my daughter, She is now 34 years old. Um, But I had hoped that through therapy, she would learn to crawl. Through therapy, she would learn to talk. Through therapy, she would learn to do this, that, and the other. Um, And that same kind of hope carried us through her whole stint in education. I never gave up hope that she was going to learn all the things that I believed in that she could learn and hope that she would be independent enough to have a job and uh, contribute to society in that way and potentially live on her own. So I always always looked forward and moved forward based on a hope and belief that there was progress yet to be made uh, accomplishments that we could reach and that's um that got me that got me through all of it that was my focus my focus remained hopeful throughout um you know i had personal struggles with depression and um being overwhelmed with raising children i had um two other children a boy and a girl and um so at times life was very challenging and I struggled, but throughout that I never gave up hope about Jessica's journey.
0: What a beautiful message of not only hope but of of belief in the human in in, in your in your beautiful daughter, you know, that you you are definitely Putting Jessica first instead of her ailments, instead of her medical conditions, you are really seeing the potential in the woman that she's become, um, which is a pretty cool perspective. And I imagine that not everyone comes to that perspective, or everyone has that perspective. Is I know that you have a, a community of people that um, that you support and that also support you. And is that a a perspective that you see within your community?
1: I think so. So over the last, I guess, seven years or so, I built a community of followers um, online. Uh, That was outside my comfort zone completely when we first started doing that. Um, It was Uh, Hannah and I, my youngest, were just talking about this. It was in 2015 when I started blogging. And then in the summer of 2015, I started um, my Instagram account. And I started just sharing little snippets of our journey. And hope is kind of what kept it going because sharing our journey gave other people hope. And they would reach out to me and tell me what it meant to them to see that they weren't alone or to see that the future wasn't as scary as they thought it might be with them and their dependent child who would be an adult. And so throughout, there's been this, the two sides to the hope. I think I have hope and I think sharing our story gives others hope. And then the reciprocal part of that is throughout building this community, Jessica has been able to connect with a lot of the um, followers, a lot of our community members. And she's developed this relationship with some of them. She knows them by name. and We have weekly, she calls them alive meetings. and uh she she chats with them so the way those work is it's a live stream but she can't see the screen so I read comments to her that people are sending her messages and then she replies to them and asks questions about it and uh, this interaction with a broader community has brought forth this growth in Jessica that is something we never anticipated as a byproduct of having this community. And now because everything has been shared for so long, we can go back and, and look at the difference in her and her maturity and her communication style from when we first started sharing until now. So it continues to give hope because families who are in similar situations um can see that growth even as an adult as she's 34 and she continues to develop um skills it's it just it provides a a lot of hope to others
0: and you know it's it's a wonderful feeling Oh, it, it feels wonderful just hearing you describe it. And I haven't even participated in, in any <laughs> of the videos. Um, and very, very cool to see that progress in her. I can hear the pride uh, you have in her and the love you have for her and just seeing that progress. I'm a huge believer that hope is contagious, absolutely is contagious. And so um, I can imagine what the community support would be like and the, truly the hope that you're offering other families that may be in similar, similar situations, maybe not as far along or haven't found as many of the tools to, you know, survive um, and, and not only survive, but also thrive. And um, yeah, I can absolutely see how the hope would be, would be contagious there for sure. It's very, very cool. And, you know, it. And the interesting thing to me, and this has probably
1: been one of the biggest surprises to me, is that it, it goes beyond the special needs community and uh, the other parents in similar situations. It goes beyond that. A lot of the people I've heard from who tell me that our story has made such a difference in their life, they're people who don't have maybe don't even have children or their situations with a parent who has um, declined for one reason or another. And sometimes it's just people that are depressed or that have been fighting uh, an illness like cancer and they come across our content and there's just something about watching Jessica that lifts their spirits and gives them hope and helps them project forward, instead of giving in to the despair that they feel. Mm-hmm. And that is, to me, the most powerful thing that has come from doing what we do by sharing our story. You know, when people reach out to you, multiple people, and say, "Hey, you saved my life," mm-hmm. it's very, it's very humbling. It's very, um, it's a lot to grasp and take in. I mean, it's hard for me to understand. And I'm so thankful that people let me know because that helped me in the past when I was struggling to continue with social media. I've had a lot of times where it was so overwhelming. I would be really discouraged somebody might say something mean or whatever. And I would be like, Hannah, I'm going to quit. I can't do it anymore. I'm going to quit. And I don't know how many times I said that years ago. I hadn't said it in a while, but (laughs) I'd be like, I can't do this anymore. Um, it's just, I'm going to have to quit. And inevitably I would get a message from someone and they would say, I just want you to know what a difference you make. And, you've, you know, you've given me hope, you've saved me, you've whatever, all these messages, I'm like, okay, well, then I got to keep going, because it's helping somebody else. So I got to keep doing it. Hmm.
0: The power, the power of others to lift us up, eh? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, can we talk a little bit about your personal journey over the last 34 years? Um, and the reason that I'm I'm kind of going down this road is I imagine that there are people listening who are, you know, in are 10 years into their journey, or maybe they're at the very beginning of their journey. And do you have any advice for those families? Um, like, is there anything that you wish you would knew sooner in your journey that you could, you could tell these fine folks that are at the beginning and save them from some heartache, or maybe save them from some mistakes or anything like that?
1: Sure. I think the first thing that I would say is to to know, even if you haven't discovered anyone else yet, that you're not alone. That was the, the worst part to me was for so long, I felt so alone. So it wasn't until I started blogging. And at this point, Jessica was in her 20s. It wasn't until then that I knew that I wasn't alone. Because for, you know, where where I live and where Jessica went to school, there was no one remotely close to being like she is. And because of her age and when she was diagnosed with autism, there just wasn't a lot of awareness or resources or anything. And I always felt nobody knows. There's nobody on earth that understands what it's like. And that wasn't true. And when I started reaching out and saying, oh, here's my story. Then people go, oh, yeah, that's my story, too. That sounds just like my child. Like, oh, my gosh, it's not just me. And that was very powerful to me because there's something about knowing. It's it's validating. It's just validating to know, oh, it's not just me. It's not in my head. It's not excuses. It, it's a real thing. So that would be my first thing is to to let parents know they're not alone. I found social media to be... An excellent resource for reaching out and connecting with people. Another piece of advice I would give, or um just a little tidbit to share, would be one of the things that I experienced that I think I can I can pass along, and that is that parents are the experts on their children. And when you're at school in an IEP meeting or you're at a doctor's appointment and professionals dismiss your view or your opinion or what your perspective, don't fall for that Mm -hmm. and say, I'm an expert on my child. And just don't doubt yourself. I think that I did and didn't both. I mean, I think I did a little bit of both. Um, and as time went on, I realized what was happening and, and I knew that I knew better. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, so I think that's very important factor is to uh, have confidence in your advocacy for your child. And no one knows them better than you do. And generally, I think this is kind of moving on to the next thing, and that is that most professionals are going to, I don't know if the right word is underestimate, but they're not going to overestimate. They're not going to say, oh, your child's going to accomplish great things and you know blah 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 it's almost always limitations there there's these limitations that they expect and that's what i faced a lot with jessica was um she won't be able to do this she'll she'll never be able to do that and they were wrong mm-hmm. and it's it has a powerful impact on your children's future when The people working with your children have that attitude and their attitude is one of like uh, like a self-fulfilling prophecy of she'll never learn to read, so I'm really not going to give it my all. And then the next teacher says, well, she's so far behind, I don't think she's going to learn to read. And the next teacher says, well, these two teachers said that she's not capable of learning to read. And then you have a history of professionals saying she can't do it. Whereas if the first professional said, I I believe she can look at the progress we made. I think you can make progress, too. Then you have a history of progress.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And and that was detrimental to Jessica. It affected her entire future. And I probably will be bitter about it forever. (laughs) 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 They really shortchanged her. But you can't go back and change that. But maybe that'll help somebody else.
0: That that that's incredible. I love the advocacy uh, part, especially. I mean, the building a community is awesome as well. And and I was going to ask you how people find community, and and so I like what you said about social media being a really great place, and you know, listening to podcasts like this that you know have have awesome speakers like you to share that kind of information. But if I think about the advocacy, because you're right, like, you know, your child the best. Um, it's not, you know, it's sort of adjacent, but we have a, we have two golden retriever dogs and one of our dogs is very sick and we knew he was not, he was not well, but the the veterinarians said, you know, he's old, it's his arthritis, you know, and, but it turns out after continuing to advocate for him and continuing to test, we found out what was wrong with him. And we knew, like, you, we know we know our dog. You know your child. Um, I mean, the doctors are doing the best that they can with the resources they have and the information, for sure. We got to give them some grace about that. But, can, you know, continuing to advocate, I think, cannot be underestimated because your intuition about your child is absolutely going to be right every time.
1: That's right. And I think, you know, professionals generally base their opinions on what they've read in a book or what they've learned in a classroom. And it is a generalized view and opinion. I even see it in my own son who, you know, is in his fourth year of residency as a doctor. And I I see, you know, it's kind of amusing to me as a seasoned parent and parent of a complex child, watching him generalize things. Hmm. And, you know, I I just kind of have to bite my tongue because, you know, he's my child and he's still learning. But (laughs) um, that that generalized view and and speaking of that, he was home for Christmas this this recently. And he was so impressed with Jessica's growth and progress Hmm. and surprised. And he kept saying like she called him on the phone before he came home. And they had the best conversation they've ever had. And I was listening from another room and I kept hearing him say, really, you Mm -hmm. think that really, you feel that. And, you know, he's one of those that would have kind of taken that uh, textbook approach with limitations and um, capabilities and stuff. And so when he came home, they had some more great interactions. And I think he was just really surprised. Um, at her growth, And he also did attribute it to community. Mm. And the yes. expanded community, and he talked about because he studied the brain a lot, and he's he talked about how it just creates these new connections in your brain, the the community aspect of meeting more people, communicating with more people, and social interaction.
0: So, Isn't it cool how like we are learning so much more about the brain? And I feel like, you know, having having the up and coming doctors like your son, um, you know, is is just gonna increase patient care as we go ahead because, you know, they are not learning new tricks. You know, they are not little dogs learning new tricks. They are learning the tricks as they are as they're getting educated. And I think um as we continue to learn more about the brain, you know kids like Jessica, you know, 30 years ago are just going to have that much more of an advantage um, because we have that much research. Um, I'd love to hear the impact on your other two kids because, again, I imagine that lots of families that are listening have uh, multiple kids in their family. And how has it been for your other kids? And do you have any advice for parents on, um, you know, including your other kids in this journey or continuing to support them or any of that
1: so what a complex issue this mm-hmm. is and i've been asked this multiple times over the last however many years i have two very different experiences from the two siblings that jessica has hannah who is the youngest one it's all she's ever known. She's a very go-with-the-flow personality type, easygoing, patient, kind, calm. And she has never had an issue with it. She didn't feel neglected. She didn't feel like we always put Jessica first. Um, it just, she's done a Q&A. On YouTube about it, it's a Q and A with Hannah Kay, where she mm-hmm. talks about her experience because people were asking her what it was like. Because you know, when you're in social media, people watch you and they think they know everything, and people feel sorry for Hannah because they think she never gets any one on one with me, and I don't ever have time for her. And <laughs> so she did a Q and A to address some of that. And. That was those so that what I'm expressing, that's her words. That's how she told the story. My son, on the other hand, who was the middle child, had a great many more struggles with it. We didn't talk about it when he was younger. And I really didn't realize how much of an impact it had on him until his adulthood when we were able to have an open conversation about it. He did feel like Jessica always was put first and that he missed out on me, um, that I loved her more because I paid her more attention. And he also told me something interesting. He he was a very challenging child to raise. He was um, very, anyway, I, I, it'll come to me maybe in a minute, but his personality was the opposite of Hannah's. So, intense, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. He's very intense. And he was more challenging, in my opinion, than Jessica in, in the growing up years. And he told me a few years ago that part of his behavior was him trying to duplicate Jessica's behaviors to see if, he could get away with what she was getting away with which of course didn't work because she wasn't getting away with stuff it was a different circumstance a different situation um in capabilities and behaviors and and all of that but as a child he didn't understand that and So it definitely had a big impact on him. And I think one thing I would do differently if I did it again, or if I could do it over. I think I would try harder to teach rather than, not that I was making excuses, but uh, rather than just saying, hey, this is the way it is. And and I don't know if it would make a difference. You know, it, he, he would have had to have been receptive to what I was trying to teach. But, um, you know, and, and I don't blame him for any of that. It's just differences in personality between he and Hannah and how they handled that differently. Um, and... At the same time, I went through, like I've already mentioned, a lot of struggle with depression. And I was doing the best I could do every single day. So I knew that I was doing the best I could do every day. So I don't I don't have regrets. I, I wish it, it hadn't have been so hard for him.
0: It's interesting to me that he's chosen the medical profession as well, which is kind of uh pretty cool you know maybe there's some further learning that he's doing now as a result of his childhood um which is very cool as well
1: yeah he's he is actually a brilliant person and i think that probably had a lot to do with his early struggles because he's so brilliant and he was bored to death on a daily basis with education with people in general and he ended up in medicine because he was so bored with everything he ever did (laughs) and so i just kept saying medicine you you just need to go to medical school because it's you'll never stop learning there's always something Mm -hmm. to learn medicine always changes research always changes everything and so that kind of steered him in that direction a lot of that's due to boredom um but he's blessed that's very cool
0: Uh, I liked what you said about kind of recognition that you as a parent, you as a woman, you as a human um, tried to, you know, keep top of mind that you are doing the best that you can and continue to do the best that you can, (laughs) you know, as as you continue to learn and as Jessica continues to learn and, and your other kids continue to learn. Um, Is there some self-care kind of tips that work well for you or how do you manage your own emotions and and things like that on the daily
1: over the past few years i've kind of neglected self from a standpoint of growing our a social media um community i've I found myself in that sticky spot of um i, I need to work to provide for my household but I also want to do social media because it's important. And where do you reach that point to where you've got to, you got to make a choice between one thing or the other, because you can't do both around the clock. And so I kind of had to shift towards um, having some kind of income from social media to allow myself the time to do it because I was, working a full-time job and doing social media full-time and it left no time for me. And as I made that choice to move in that direction, then you're driven to keep pushing, pushing, pushing till you get to a point of comfort that if you stop and take time for yourself, you're going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so honestly, I have neglected myself for a couple of years but when i'm not neglecting myself um i've always been fairly poor at self-care until 2017 i was diagnosed with an autoimmune illness and at that point self-care became much more of an important thing for me and so for self-care that means Eating clean, which is very difficult to do, especially during the holidays and when you work around the clock, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's should be a priority and is when I make time for it. And I think that's the biggie for me is, uh, and, and that was, um, a big, epiphany for me when I did get sick and I started eating clean and I saw what a big difference it made for me and how I felt. I think also, um, there's a delicate balance with taking time for myself and not stressing Jessica, which stresses me. Jessica has a lot of separation anxiety. So if I say I'm going to go away for a few days, well, I mean, it's not that simple. It's a huge deal. She gets very worried about it. Um, Fret, fret, fret. And then it's very stressful to me and often ends up not being worth it. Because then if I go, she calls me, she's stressed. I I still do sometimes, but that's, that's kind of this tug of war. So my current self-care is I keep, I call it going to our corners Mm. at the end, at the end of every day, we each go to our corner because Hannah's living here by choice. She wanted to, she wanted to be here and she's always welcome here. Hannah's 28. And uh, so we all have a corner of the house and we all go to our corners in the evening. And um, so I wind down and my way of winding down is turning on some of my favorite shows on repeat. And it helps me wind down because it's predictable. I don't have to pay attention to what's on the TV because I know the story. I know what's happening. I can see it in my brain without looking, Mm -hmm. but it keeps me occupied enough that I can shut out everything else so I can uh quit worrying about all the things of the day or all the things I need to do tomorrow. Um, and, and that really helps me wind down, but I'm also at the same time right there, Jessica's is right next to my corner. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if she needs me, I'm nearby, but she, she's gotten to where she doesn't uh, bother me. She just comes and lets me know when she's ready for bed. And, and I do the final tuck in and, um, So that's it. I actually am am a poor teacher for self-care. People ask me that a lot, a lot about what do I do for self-care and I'm a poor example, uh, but I hope to be better. But you see, I think
0: you're an awesome example because the humility and desire to continue to find things that work and trial and error and all of that, that's real stuff. That's reality. And I think you are an excellent example of reality, and there's oh. a lot of grace inherent in that, Val. And I, I appreciate you well, sharing that with us. I appreciate that a lot. Thank we you. are, believe it or not, coming to the end of our time together. I can't even imagine. And I ask the same <laughs> question at the end of every show. And that is, Val, what gives you hope? What gives me
1: hope? There can there be more than one thing? <laughs> of course. <laughs> what gives me hope is the promise of tomorrow, and I mean the promise of good things. There's always a possibility of good things for the next day. If you've had a good day, tomorrow might be a better day. If you've had a better day, if you've had a bad day, tomorrow's probably going to be better. Um, it's like a, it's like starting over every day with a clean slate. And that's kind of how I got through raising the kids and uh, just surviving when they were little and I was struggling. It was the hope of tomorrow. And the other thing that gives me hope is watching other people learn about autism about jessica about disability about our family life as in um it's not the end of the world it's not it's it's okay we're okay we're doing good and um the fact that me sharing our successes and our struggles and failures the fact that that gives other people hope is hopeful for me
0: (laughs) And uh, encourages me to keep going. Mm, I love it. So beautiful. So beautiful. The promise of a future better than today. I love it. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story. The hope that you have for all of your kids. uh, The hope that you have for you and your continued growth and compassion for yourself. It has just been a real pleasure to hang out with you today. Thank you so, so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed our
0: chat. Me too. I will talk to you again very soon. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. These episodes are a labor of love. Inspiring conversations with hopeful people make my heart happy. If you also love this episode, it would be amazing if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Five stars if you're into it. It's these reviews that encourage Apple to promote this podcast to their network. And the more people that listen, the more hope we can spread into the world. Don't forget to check out the show notes of this episode to find all the links to my guests, books, and other resources referenced in this episode. You'll also find the link back to my website where you will find additional support and resources for you, your team, and your community. I truly believe that the future will be better than today by taking action over the things we can control. And hearing from these guests on these episodes, I know that even more hopeful future is totally possible. I'm always looking for inspirational guests, so if you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. You can find me on the contact form of my website at expertinhope.com or by email at lindsay@expertinhope.com. When I was a teenager and my sisters were leaving the house to go out for the night, I always made it a point to remind them to call me if they need me. It was my way to tell them that I cared and would always be there for them. I'd love you to know the same, so all of you listening out there, call me if you need me. Again, thank you for your love and support of this podcast, my work in hope, and your intentional focus on making your future better than today. After all, hope without action is just a wish.